Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. My name is Ryan Stacy, and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is presented by StatsCoach. StatsCoach is a hockey analytics company which works with the minor and junior hockey community. For more information, visit www.statscoach.ca or contact statscoach at outlook.com. Today's episode is a little different from the rest, as Matt Dumichel, the assistant general manager with the Leamington Flyers, took over as the host of the Hockey Minds Podcast and spoke with me about my career to date. Not knowing Matt before this interview, I wasn't sure how the process would go, but I'm ultimately glad that Matt presented the idea, as it's fair to say that we both enjoyed the experience, and I think we were able to bring up some teaching points from my background, which included a variety of topics. With that, I'm happy to introduce the host, Matt Dumichel, the Assistant General Manager of the Leamington Flyers, in this episode featuring myself, Ryan Stacy, the Director of Analytics of the Sarnia Sting. All right, Ryan, thanks uh, for the opportunity. A great meeting you virtually and speaking to you for the first time here. I, I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity and really looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, no, I'm excited um, when you reached out and kind of, uh, you know, had this different angle for the podcast. It's obviously something that I never really thought I'd kind of dive into, but, you know, we had some feedback and from our conversation, I thought it was maybe something exciting and could maybe help some people out along the way. So, uh, you know, thanks for taking the initiative and I'm looking forward to the interview. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're looking forward to, to meeting the man behind the, the Hockey Minds podcast here too. So, I mean, it's easy to start uh, right at the, at the very beginning. Um, where were you born? And I guess when you were growing up, being from the, the East Coast and, and a bit of a, an info there, um, what what team were you watching when you were, were uh, growing up? Yeah, so I'm from St. John's, Newfoundland. Um, I've kind of been the same place my whole life. I still live in the house that I was born in. Um, you know, growing up, my family was uh, pretty into sports. My sister played hockey growing up, and she also uh, transitioned into volleyball, kind of took over in, in her high school years. And uh, me, I was always into hockey the whole way through. Uh, never played any summer sports which is one of those things that hockey was kind of just reserved for the winter. And maybe that's why uh, growing up the hockey side never really took off in my playing career. But in the summer, I kind of just like playing uh, some baseball with my buddies or or riding bike or going camping or whatever it may be. Um, In terms of who I was following, I actually laugh about it now. Maybe it wasn't the best decision just because of uh, game times and everything, but I was a Canucks fan the whole way through. So uh, every night games would start around 1130 or 12 o'clock at night if I was able to get it on TV here, which uh, was difficult at times because of blackouts and whatnot, but I thoroughly enjoyed it and I kind of gravitated towards the West Coast Express and, and into the Sedine Twins, but I can remember uh, 2007 really being when I kind of gravitated towards the team and 
watching that first round series versus Dallas and going to bed at 5 a.m. after quadruple overtime games and kind of getting up 6.30 for school and things like that. But yeah, that's kind of how I grew up and um, sport was definitely a part of my life uh, from an early age. Yeah, that's when you know you like the team, when you're willing to stay up till five and, and get a couple hours sleep yeah. before school the next day and, and you're, you're okay with it. Um, growing up, again, how, how different was the hockey scene uh, in, in St. John's? How supportive was it? And, and I would assume just, uh, I've, I've been there once before just as a, a visitor, but I'd assume it is the, the tight-knit community that it's always described as. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that can be said is with now with Newfoundland Growlers and right down to minor hockey. Uh, it's very tight knit. You kind of, you know, everybody you play, you know, all your coaches, even before you're kind of on the team in that way. And um, very supportive in everything that was going on. Me, I only played house league, but I like to say house league is a little bit different in Newfoundland. Uh, for one, there was contact in house league the whole way through mm. uh, playoff series and stuff like that. So it was fairly competitive. We'd have guys playing high school and house league. So Oh. When I moved to Ontario and kind of seeing the difference in the competition, it was a little bit different here. And we don't have like the minor midget midget setup. It's all kind of fused into one with the smaller population. So sometimes you'd be three years on the same team. And uh, I mean, it was exciting. And, and I always enjoyed the kind of hometown feel. And I different, definitely had an opportunity to play with a couple of different small towns outside of St. John's. Um, I played with Grand Bank and in Grand Falls, Windsor, and all these smaller towns throughout Newfoundland in different tournaments and got to meet people through that way and made a lot of connections along the way um, and got to see the province and, and interact with different people. So, uh, you know, that's the modern hockey side. When I worked with Newfoundland Growlers and being around the St. John's Ice Caps and the, the Baby Leafs and the St. John's Fog Devils and all these teams that came through St. John's throughout my, uh, my time here, uh, you still get that fan support. It's very hometown feel and everything you do. Um, I kind of joke about when you go to these games, the, the music is 100% Newfoundland music. It almost feels like you're in the 70s or 80s, uh, but that's the way people like it. People like that hometown connection and, mm. and going to the bars across the street on George Street and then walking into the arena five minutes before game time. It's just the, the way things are. And um, I think teams and, and players and coaches and everybody involved in the hockey scene have really taken advantage of that uh, tight-knit community. And uh, I think hockey in Newfoundland has become better because of it. Yeah, and you uh, mentioned uh, in there, and it was something that we were going to get to a little bit later on, but it's a perfect transition to do it now. When you had the opportunity to come to Ontario, just how different was the hockey you were seeing in Ontario compared to being out east? Yeah, so for me, that was a huge transition. Uh, the reason I ultimately came was because of the Brock program. Uh, I never really thought sport was a, an opportunity to pursue in school. I was kind of looking at trades and stuff here in Newfoundland and seeing what could I almost bear to go through and something that I probably didn't really want to, but I was going to, you know, commit to obviously to take care of my finances. But I read an article on Kyle Dubas, like a lot of people do in the Brock program. And he touched on this opportunity to go study sports and event management and things like that. And it kind of blew my mind at first. And I started looking into it and realized I had an actual opportunity to um, go into it. And I applied. That was the only school I applied to. I didn't even apply to my hometown university and um, was fortunate enough to get into it. So I started coming up to Newfoundland, uh, from Newfoundland into Ontario and uh, experiencing the hockey a little bit. I started uh, working with Niagara game day and, and I kind of looked back and maybe that was more so of an opportunity to just sit in the stands during gameplay and, and kind of see the game. And um, initially in that level, players like Ryan Mantha, who was the captain there in Niagara. Uh, Victor Mete used to come and, and those players stuck out with London. And these guys were, you know, higher caliber than anything I've ever seen. I mean, I, I watched a little bit of the queue at home. I seen players like Jakob Voracek and Brad Marchand and those guys. And, but just to see, even once I left the OHL and started watching some uh, AAA hockey and junior B hockey and junior A, just across the board, it was, it was phenomenal. And, um, you know, the AAA level is pretty good in Newfoundland, but, to be fair, there's only five or six teams at a time in the province. So um, it can be difficult to kind of get that competitive level across the board uh, like it is in Ontario. But, you know, when you get into the GTHL and, and these high, uh, high tournaments, you know, like the Whippy Silver Stick or, or the uh, Toronto Titans or OHL Cup or anything like that, it's, it's amazing to watch that, that level of hockey. And uh, it definitely fueled my passion to keep seeing what else was out there and uh, maybe if I can kind of get involved moving forward. I was a, a more of a baseball than, than hockey fan growing up. And, and for me, it was Billy Bean and Moneyball that really flipped. Hey, I, I never played professionally. I've never done this. 
but maybe there are options there. And, and we see now how front offices in baseball have changed completely. And I guess for the Billy Bean Moneyball side of things, I guess for the, the hockey people, it's more of Kyle Dubas and, and what he was able to do. Just talk about the, the impact that reading about him um, had on you. And I guess when you figured out through the, your readings and research that you didn't have to be a, an ex NHLer to have a general manager, assistant general manager, coaching experience or, or job professionally. Yeah, you know, it, it's definitely a, a big motivator. You kind of look at his story. Uh, he was involved in the Sioux Greyhounds and through an early age and kind of had some connections there. But just to see, uh, you know, someone that is almost in a similar path in a way that you can kind of uh, go into the mold that he created and, mm-hmm. and hope, and I've seen a little bit of success here in my short time, but just seeing him put in the hard work and go from, you know, taking over an OHL team and then jumping into Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, one of the biggest organizations in hockey and uh, having the success that he's had in a short time there and, and doing things differently. Um, everybody who kind of looks at hockey and general managers, it's no lie that a lot of times it's, um, you know, they have to have a playing career or, or they had some kind of connection at the highest level. So to see somebody go in that different direction, uh, John Chaika, obviously someone else who I kind of look up to in that way and, he really created his own path almost on a different level uh, through athletes, but it's just amazing to kind of see what they're able to do and, and make their own opportunities. And for me, that was the biggest motivator. And then to kind of add on to that, um, being in Newfoundland and having that almost like, you know, you're kind of out of the hockey scene, the main hockey scene, I'd say, and mm-hmm. you're trying to find your way in. Um, there's people from Newfoundland, uh, Daryl Seward's a video coach with the Vancouver Canucks. Um, uh, you know, there's, there's a number of different coaches and, and scouts, uh, a couple of Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, Derek Clancy, I believe is his name. He's a director of scouting or director of player personnel or something along the lines of that. So just having these multiple uh, connections and, and people that you can almost uh, mimic their paths and see that they have had success uh, it was definitely motivating for me. So doing some research for, uh, for our interview today uh, and going through the LinkedIn profile and, and finding some more uh, background information for you. Interesting, the first couple of things that are on there are general laborer, um, food services. So when did you get to the point where uh, you decided that getting your foot in the door in hockey was how you were going to go? And what were the steps that you uh, did or the, the teams that you had worked for to kind of uh, plant yourself in there? Yeah, for sure. Um, to kind of go back really far, uh, first couple of jobs, I was a flyer distributor. I started in maybe fifth grade. and I and think we of, all did that when we yeah, were in fifth yeah. grade, yeah. <laughs> and um, I actually did take on a, a fairly, you know, good role with that and actually did it all the way up until I left for university almost. So um, that was very rewarding. It was kind of uh, money in my pocket. And, you know, when those new gloves or new stick came out, I was able to kind of jump on the opportunity and get what I want. And uh, when I worked at Clove Valley Golf, uh, I was a general laborer there, you know, 5 a.m. mornings in Newfoundland in the middle of the summer. It's not nice. You know, uh-huh. some mornings we get up and it's like six degrees and it's raining and you kind of get sent home after three hours because you can't test step outside. So, uh, doing jobs like that and food working. I did some work at the airport here in St. John's and I kind of realized that this day-to-day grind and early mornings and night shifts just, it wasn't for me unless I was doing something that I was really passionate about, which um, unfortunately golf and, and working at a Tim Hortons or whatever it may be, wasn't that, that path. Uh, when I obviously jumped into the sport management program, uh, just seeing that there was opportunities in, in different things, whether it's hockey operations or ticket sales or, or marketing or anything that may be involving sport, there are opportunities. And then seeing that there was opportunities here in Newfoundland and Ontario and, and everywhere you look, there seemed to be some kind of connection to sport that there was an opportunity that presented itself. So I think it was probably that first year or first semester at Brock that I realized, um, you know, unless, unless I was in a situation where I absolutely needed to, uh, I wasn't kind of going to go back to that, what I would call uh, less favorable positions. For sure. And I think for everybody, as they're, they're going through that process, there's, there's the job that pays the bills and, and 
takes care of the diapers and whatever else you need. But then, you know, everybody looks forward to that, uh, that next day or the day that, that you've got circled on, uh, on your calendar. Uh, you know, I, I work with the, the Leamington Flyers and Thursday nights are our home games and, and Friday morning, I can't wait for the next Thursday. And that how I get through the week that and, and uh, entertaining the, the, the kids that I've got uh, at home. And, uh, and then you get a chance to, to finally come back to the rink. And, and I, I'm sure there was one experience or one moment that you had to where you're either in the arena um, in a game setting or in a meeting with uh, hockey people around you where, where it really hits you and you said, yeah, this, this is in the bloodstream now and I'm, I'm not getting this, uh, I'm not going to want to get this out anytime soon. Yeah, for that experience, it's, it's kind of a, it took a long time to maybe really get that realization, but I did an interview with Brad Yetman not long ago and uh, we talked about a telescope that was hosted in Newfoundland. I can't even remember the year now. I was still playing minor hockey. And uh, we were watching a game, and Anthony Duclair was uh, playing, and Jonathan Drouin. There was a couple different players, but Duclair really stood out to me. Uh, he wasn't really putting up the points or the goals, but just overall, to me, right away, I said, you know, I've never seen a player of this caliber. This is kind of a next-level thing. And um, never really thought a whole lot about it after, but it was definitely something that stuck in my mind. And then, um, you know, every year you kind of watch the NHL entry draft. And even before I was really paying attention to the prospects, I saw – Anthony Duclair get drafted there and it was kind of at that moment where I where I thought to myself you know out of all these kids and a lot of them obviously didn't go on to the NHL for that tournament but Duclair for, for a player that didn't put up as many points as some of the other guys was someone that I kind of picked out and, and could see and then to see him go to the NHL and, and obviously you know he's having pretty good success here lately but um, you know it took a couple of years but in that moment I thought to myself you know maybe maybe I do have an ability to evaluate maybe this is something that I can pursue and um, it's almost like when you're on a team and you draft that right player and you feel like you made that hit that was almost my unofficial okay I did it I nailed it yeah. um, you know watching this guy at 14 15 16 and here he is uh, a, you know a very good NHL player so uh, for me that might have been the aha moment but um, you know there was a number of moments just talking with people in the industry or you know on a Saturday night watching junior B hockey and and your buddies are out to the bar and you're kind of sent back saying, you know, this is where I want to be, even though you might be in your, by yourself drinking uh, some God awful coffee or whatever it may be. But uh, def definitely there's a number of moments, but for that, uh, that one with Anthony Duclair and that, uh, you know, when he got drafted was kind of my, my significant moment that really stuck with me. So you finish up at Brock. Is this when you went back home and uh, interned with uh, the Growlers or, or take us through the, the steps that you went through after um, Brock uh, concluded? Yeah, so with Brock, they have an opportunity to do an internship um, if your grades are high enough at the end of the, uh, basically any time during the fourth year. Uh, I was fortunate the people in the program kind of helped me uh, fast track a little bit through the program. I was taking six courses and um, I laugh about that because I was actually working, I think, at one point three jobs plus the <laughs> six courses. So, wow. uh, yeah, very, uh, you know, some restless nights there uh, during my second and third years. But um, I had a connection with Trevor Murphy, who was also a guest on my podcast and, mm. uh, you know, a great friend now. And he kind of had the opportunity to uh, mold the Growlers into something that was his own. And with the help of the Maple Leafs and Glenn Stanford, who, uh, who also is involved with the ownership group there and I kind of just reached out to him. I knew that ECHL is a, a level where you can really get hands on in, in multiple areas. And um, being a part of an expansion team is something to me that was always exciting, regardless of what level it was. And, and then obviously being Newfoundland and I kind of got to see a couple of games in Brampton and, and watch them play the beast there uh, during the season. And I thought to myself, you know, this team is, this team's pretty good. And, and the coaching staff, obviously Ryan Klo and, and John Stone and, and Paul Dagg, the video coach, and the list goes on and on of the people that were involved. And um, it was something I wanted to be a part of, and it was something I wanted to learn from. So, you know, kind of just out of the blue, reached out to Trevor, uh, had a re previous connection, uh, maybe talked once or twice, and reached out to his email. I don't even know if he knew who I was at first. Maybe he did. Maybe he remembered. But um, kind of just said, hey, I, I'm looking for an internship opportunity, and uh, would love to come home and kind of be involved with the team. And it was maybe a little bit of a process seeing exactly where I would fit in and, and how things would work because obviously there's a lot going on during the middle of the season for an ECHL team and staff are pretty strapped and kind of doing their own things, but um, they were very open to having me in and obviously having that connection was, was key. And then, yeah, I jumped in there and uh, obviously as, as many people know, the team went on to win the 
the Kelly Cup there and, and being a part of that expansion team and and you know the the experience of the parades and the parties and the just being around a winning culture in a place that uh, for you know for a lot of years didn't know if they were ever going to get hockey back and and the teams um, had success before the the baby Leafs went to the uh, call the cup final or I don't know if it was actually called the call the cup at the time but they went on to the final and then um, the uh, St. John's Ice Caps also went to the final versus Texas Stars and I was also in the arena during that game where they where they lost that final game on in St. John's and you know it's not a fun time to be a fan of the home team when you're losing the championship but um, when I got to go to that final game in Newfoundland and I was sitting on the glass when or I was standing on the glass I should say there was definitely no seats available but I was standing on the glass when that final buzzer went off and we had ugly sticks and air horns and the arena kind of uh, got away from any kind of noise ban. You were allowed to bring whatever you wanted, uh, pots and pans. It was uh, <laughs> an ecstatic atmosphere. And and when that final buzzer went off, uh, you know, you kind of black out for a minute and uh, maybe it's a blur after that. But it was definitely exciting. And, and that whole opportunity was just amazing. Was analytics always uh, what you thought your entry point to hockey was going to be or, or when you started this internship or, or one of the other posts that you've, you've had along the way, is that where you, you got interested in it or, or introduced to the way that, that teams look at analytics? Yeah. So with analytics, uh, short answer, no, I definitely never had any connection to analytics. I was always pretty good at math growing up, but never did I say, you know, I love numbers. I, I want to get more involved in numbers. That was never me. Um, I think the opportunity to kind of work in the analytics really came about. Uh, I had an opportunity with the Humboldt Broncos um, a few years back. I was kind of just looking for uh, a new experience and, and something maybe remote. Um, I, that's something I had explored in the past. And uh, Chris Boudry, who uh, is many people may know his name. He's not with the team anymore, but uh, he kind of reached out to me. He had worked with Mississauga Steelheads and kind of had this analytic approach and, and said if I was interested in, um, you know, being a young kid and not really having experience in junior A hockey in the SJHL is, is pretty competitive. So I said, yeah, you know, I'm, I'd like to get involved and kind of learn analytics and, and work with some video and, and get that maybe new age approach that some teams may be looking for down the road. And uh, it was a very short experience, um, nothing to do with the team. It was just um, a new opportunity came up in Niagara and, you know, I was able to be a little more hands-on and ultimately for me, that was important and it's something I wanted to uh, to jump into. So uh, I think it was only two or three months maybe with that team in that position, but I definitely learned a lot in that short time. And, and looking back now, that initial experience to analytics to me, um, whether it was, you know, there was different areas where we kind of use analytics. I won't go too deep into what they did, but it was just maybe to me an eye opener that, okay, maybe I can use analytics in amongst what I, my goals are, whether it's mm -hmm. topology or, or roster management or whatever it may be. So uh, definitely my that was probably my first experience and then it kind of just snowballed from there kind of using analytics as my um, you know foot in the door kind of thing and and moving into that and and today um, you know I, I like to say I'm a lot better at analytics than I was before but there's definitely still a lot to learn and um, I, I still wouldn't say to this day that I'm uh, anything sort of a mathematician it's just I understand numbers and uh, maybe know how to uh, use it in action maybe take us through the the timeline and, and uh, your experience with uh, analytics when you were first introduced to it um, the the numbers that you were looking at and, and not getting into specifics but more the things that teams were interested in in and how in the last 10 years uh, five years even uh, analytics has has taken off and become really the next great advantage that that these front office uh, teams are are looking to use yeah um, I think the place where that kind of started too, and maybe even a little bit before Humble, I was working with the uh, senior A uh, Thorold Athletics, who are, are not even a team anymore. Uh, they're in, in Thorold, just outside of St. Catharines, and they kind of brought me in to do a little bit of work. It was basically just takeaways and turnovers at that point, and, and shots, and and very, um, you know, just simply a shot. They didn't care where it was coming from, what it was, just wanted to know the numbers, and and at that point, um, those things did help and, and takeaways and turnovers and things like that. But, um, you know, as I kind of progressed, I started looking at what the NHL was doing. And I kind of laughed looking back, maybe NHL video games too. You know, you're going through stats. They have all these these different things, plus minus. And you know, early on, I didn't even know what that kind of thing was. But um, as I got into analytics, I started studying those things and uh, a number of different resources, just following people online, uh, 
Rob Volman, obviously is someone that a lot of people know, uh, kind of looking at his work and, um, you know, even to this day, ISIL hack is another thing I kind of uh, was gravitated towards Sean Tierney, um, all these names, Megan Chaika with, with Stathletes. And um, yeah, it was just a constant learning process and, and adding on little things. And, uh, you know, this is pretty basic, but it could just be a shot going into a shot location, turning into a pressure, if there's pressure or not, you know, it, it seems simple. And I always say to people that analytics are basically just, um, you know, at the end of the day, they are the simple tracked statistics that just move into something more complicated. You know, you have the raw data, you put it into a calculator, it gives you these, these fancy things, um, you know, baseball war is, is one of those kind of things that's just, it's a number of easy things that go into a calculation. So um, for me, it was just a process of gaining a little bit more information on every statistic and, and kind of making things my own. And you work with coaches. Some coaches are very um, basic in what they want and some are very specific in what they want. Um, a lot of times you can cut out maybe half of what you think is relevant just because the coaches say, you know what, to me, at the end of the day, I get these numbers, I'm just going to look at them and it's going to kind of be, you know, just writing on the wall. It's not really something that we can kind of apply. So um, maybe the experience of, of doing that and then also helping to get those coaches on board with maybe new numbers or, or something that I see uh, from a scouting perspective or a player development perspective and and just tying all those skill sets together is something that really, uh, to me, became important and, and learning to do those different things in the day-to-day -day operations. And, uh, you know, a little bit down the road in my career, I kind of got the opportunity with Stathletes and, and interacting with Megan Chaika's company there. And, um, you know, it completely blew my mind with the, the way they process the game and, and the way things are done. So it, it was just another experience in getting to see um, a whole different side of analytics and again, taking things from that and making them my own. And um, today with Sarnia, obviously I'm in a pretty good role there working with analytics, but, um, you know, to look at where I am now to where I was starting off and my speed and, and everything that I process is just um, a complete 180. But um, I don't think at any point I'm, I'm done or, or feel like I've, I've reached a point that, okay, I can't go any further. There's always something new. Uh, there's new companies, uh, new work, new projects. The Athletic has a number of things every day. Mm -hmm. My email gets spammed with things like that. Or Jack Han, um, you know, his new books. And uh, he's writing a new one soon about the NHL uh, sport, EA Sports Series and using that. So, right. yeah, there's just a number of outlets. And I think with analytics, the key is to not, feel, not get set in your ways and kind of um, understand that you don't know everything and there's always something new to learn. And then you uh, spoke of stat, uh, Statletes, so so let's get into that as well. You, you spent some time with Statletes and then um, with the scout.ca as well. Uh, what kind of learning experiences did you get uh, at those locations and, and what types of things did you take from that that you're still using today? Yeah, so I'll start with Statletes. Um, first of all, one of the best organizations I've ever worked for. Uh, they treat the staff fantastic and um, my shifts were usually uh, 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. on school nights and you know, you, you go into an office and you're watching hockey at night and, and obviously getting paid and doing work with that. It's uh, it's amazing. And being a Canucks fan, I didn't mind the late games. And I always enjoyed when they would kind of throw me the, the bone and say, okay, you're going to do Canucks in San Jose and might be the last one out of the office. But to be honest, I'd probably be um, back back home kind of doing the same thing. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I obviously can't talk too deep into what they do, but to kind of keep it a little bit brief, they just, um, they look at every opportunity to extract something. Um, every, every single play has a data point. Like there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of data points. And if you look at Megan Chaika's Twitter page, sometimes she shares the spreadsheets of, of shot charts and shot angles and, and um, you know, the, the thinking that they do there and, and the, the work that they've done, whether it's uh, uh, John Chaika or Megan Chaika or, or any of the people, Neil Lane is another one um, who many people may know, but um, right down to the staff, I mean, there's 40 or 50 guys in there on a night, uh, guys and girls, and just watching hockey. And, um, you know, it, it ruined the way that I viewed as a fan. I can't, sure. I simply can't go back to the fact of just watching a game for the sake of watching a game. Um, I'm seeing maybe the downfalls and the positives that players are doing, but um, yeah, they, they completely change your perspective on hockey and, and as a scout and, and in different roles that obviously, um, was beneficial in that way that it, that it taught me that new role. Uh, switching over to the scout.ca, that was 
something I started a little bit earlier. It's a funny story. I started out, um, I actually reached out to Andrew Sykes. He was doing his hockey prospectus uh, blog or something along the lines is how I kind of got in contact with him. And I reached out to him saying, you know, I, I'm, I've been doing some game reports, uh, Ryan Mantha, uh, as I mentioned, it was one of the kind of the, the reports I had done up. And I said, I was looking for an opportunity to kind of showcase my work. And my Twitter following was, was very low. I maybe had 20 followers at that time or something like that. And um, he put me in connection with uh, Brendan Ross, who uh, Rossi is now the uh, scout with the London Knights, but he was running the scout at the time. So Rossi kind of said, yeah, you know, send me a report and, and we'll kind of go from there. So I sent him a report. Um, looking back at it now, it was probably the worst report I've ever written in my life. It, <laughs> That's I, normally the case, yeah. Yeah, if I if I had given if I had received that now, I, I don't even know what I, what I would have done. I probably would have sent back and say, you know, it's time to do a career change. Uh -huh. So nothing came out of that. Absolutely nothing. It was kind of just a situation where uh, me and Rossi both knew that my report wasn't up to standard, and and he wasn't going to get anything out of it for the brand. So mm -hmm. that kind of was a was halted there, and I I just kept going with the game day and did a little bit of work with senior a and in that summer uh when andrew sykes took over he kind of came back to me and said you know i'm looking at uh ex expanding the staff a little bit and maybe you want a second try so at that point i had done a lot more thinking i'd done a lot more studying of what the scout had done and other scouts what their work was and i sent a second report um, i wouldn't be able to tell you who the player is at this point but it was much better than the one i did before so uh, he brought me on as a SCTA scout. And in that first year, I was spending, you know, five, six nights a week going to minor midget uh, games in the Niagara area and going to a couple tournaments. Uh, I didn't have a car at that time. So, you know, the, the days that we'd go to Silver Stick, I'd, I'd jump on a, a bus at 4.30 in the morning and probably had three or four connections and hoping to get there maybe 8.30 in, the, in Whitby. And uh, in the winter, that's not always fun, but it was an experience and, and getting out to the rinks and, and getting to talk with scouts. I was basically living in the rinks at that point, just because of these long trips and not kind of not having a car. So I was spending all my hours uh, kind of talking with people and it obviously helped looking today at the uh, the podcast and having those connections. But that first year was a whirlwind, um, learned to write reports. Andrew Sykes was very critical in the way that he um, taught me how to look at players and, and different feedback uh, things on my work. And then in the second year was really an expanded role. Uh, obviously I got a car at that point and I was able to attend, you know, every game that I pretty much wanted. And, and Sykes was very supportive and, and helping me financially with hotels and everything along those lines. But I was fortunate to do about, I want to say about 320 games that year with the scout.ca and, and writing reports and all of them and, and, just putting out my work, Sykes was always very adamant on uh, it's through the scout.ca, but people need to know that it, it's your work. And um, it's maybe no fault of the other organizations. I've looked at other uh, scouting services, but to me, the scout.ca was very vocal in the fact that um, it was your work and not the brand's work. So for better or for worse, and I look at some players now that I kind of rated a little too high and, and laugh about it and some players that I obviously missed out on, but just that opportunity to showcase my work and, and realized that what I was putting out there was going to be evaluated as fine and maybe gave me that little bit of extra motivation. And um, somewhere along the lines, I guess somebody liked it. I did have a, a couple of conversations with OHL teams from the scout.ca just because they, they reached out and said, hey, we've seen your work. Um, let us know what you think about player A, B, and C. And, and I guess at the end of the day, Sarnia was, uh, was the team I gravitated towards, and, and here I am today. Yeah, for sure. So, so along that time when you were with the, the scout.ca or maybe even Stathletes is when it, it all kind of started, how did you develop your eye for the game? It is something that people that have played and it's, it's always just been something that they do, but it's always interesting uh, for me uh, being one of those cases as well, uh, having never played uh, uh, hockey growing up, how did you develop your eye for the game? And, and I guess what types of things, um, influenced you in, in the way that you view the game today? Yeah, the with, with regards to um, training your eye and kind of gain that insight, um, I think conversation and, and and having that that interaction with people evaluating the same player is very key. There's a number of names that come to mind, Alvin Andrew Sykes being the lead one, but uh, Matt Stewart is, is someone, uh, he's very vocal on Twitter, I'm not sure how many people follow him, but uh, he's someone who was involved with the scout.ca and was also in the Brock program, um, extremely critical of rankings. And every time I'd make a post, he would kind of DM me and say, 
what are you doing? Or, or, you know, I don't know about that, about this, or uh, maybe we should get you some glasses or whatever he would say, but um, he was very critical and, and it helped me. And he was obviously very supportive as well. Uh, Mitch Avis is another guy who I worked with there. Uh, he's now with the Owen Sound Attack and he worked with the scouting service and, and hockey prospects as well. So again, he was just another guy who um, would kind of, allow me to bounce my ideas off of and he'd give me some feedback and, and I kind of do the same for him. And um, one more name is Rocky Vendetti who worked with the senior hockey team in Thorold. He also worked uh, in junior B in the past, but he had some connection with Kyle Dubas and other NHL personnel. And we used to watch games together in Thorold and in the Niagara area. And he would always say, um, you know, you got to look for this. You got to take this in. This is something you're missing. And, and there's a number of other people that, you know, I feel bad for missing out on names now, but, that constant interaction and then the scouting meetings with scout.ca, which, which came up a lot. Um, Matt Grinda is another one. He works in the USHL uh, with our US scout and uh, just these constant um, conversations with people in the industry and with other teams and in the rink. And sometimes just my buddies kind of coming out to a game and, and giving their perspectives. So I think the, to gain that eye and, and be able to evaluate that game, it just comes with conversation and repetition. Um, like I said, my last year at Scout, it was like 320 games or, or whatever the mm -hmm. final count was. But without seeing all those players that many times, you're not going to learn to pick out the best players. Like, you know, with Anthony Duclair, it was probably just luck that I, that I saw him that day. Um, nine chances out of 10, you, I probably missed that. But if you get out to see a player, you know, 15, 20 times, you're not going to miss the players on the team and you're going to gain that ability to evaluate everything. And, and comparatives are also key and not sticking just to your area. So um, a number of pieces go into it, but uh, at the end of the day, just being involved and putting yourself out there will, will help you train your hockey mind. And now you have a chance with uh, an OHL team with the Sarnia Sting. So uh, walk us through that process. Uh, you mentioned that you'd had conversations with OHL teams. What was it about Sarnia that really um, made you decide to go that route and, and how that uh, conversation began with that team? Yeah, so Sarnia might be a little bit of a, a it's kind of maybe a blur of how it actually kind of started out. Um, to this day, I, I probably should ask them. There isn't really an indication of exactly where my name came up as a potential target. Maybe it was through the scout.ca, maybe it was through a connection, I don't know. Uh, Kyle Craner, who is now the director of player personnel with the team, he actually worked with the scout.ca as well in the past. And I remember one night um, I was watching a game with my buddies and I got a message from Kyle saying, um, I'm wondering if you could send me a list of players in uh, junior B, just kind of, you know, seeing if there's anything they missed. And this was a few years back. Um, so I was working with the Thorold Blackhawks at the time and was seeing a lot of players. So kind of sent him a message and say, Hey, Kyle, here's my thoughts and, um, sent him a couple names of players that I thought could be potential. And I don't think we ever did kind of go with any of those players. And I, you know, I can't really remember the exact list, but that was such a situation where I, I had an initial conversation and it was more so just because I knew Kyle that worked with the scout.ca and I kind of respected the way that he went to the OHL. So had that conversation and then. Um, it was a time later that uh, Dylan Sika, who was director of player personnel and now is the general manager, reached out to me. I was in a Tim Hortons drive-thru. I can remember that. And he, he reached out to me on Twitter. And it was kind of just, hey, Ryan, we're looking at expanding our scouting staff. Um, would you like to uh, send me a resume and, and kind of see if we can make a fit here? Uh, the drive-thru was actually down the, down the road from Mall One Center uh, there in St. John's, Newfoundland. I was working with the Growlers. So it was one of the situations where I was like, you know, come on, here I have been for, for all this time trying to work my way into OHL. And, and now I get this amazing opportunity to kind of get my name in there and, mm -hmm. and I'm in Newfoundland. So, uh, you know, sent him my resume, but went back and said, you know, Dylan, I'm not in a situation where, where I'm in Ontario. Uh, I can't go to those 300 games, but, um, you know, maybe there's something I can do, um, video scouting or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, and the conversation kind of went back and forth and um, maybe it was like not exactly what they were looking for. And, and video maybe has actually become more popular now than it was uh, maybe a year sure. or so ago. And, and there was just that conversation and he said, well, you know, I like the way you think. And, and there was that mutual uh, like admiration for what he was doing, and I guess for what I was doing. And he said, maybe there's something else we can get you involved in. And then obviously after work with athletes and Humboldt and, and all these different positions, the topic of analytics came up and kind of threw me in there and started working on different things and making it my own. And 
know, fast forward to a year, here I am. And that was really the process. It wasn't anything glamorous. There was no um, Call of Duty's 100-page book interview that I could mm-hmm. kind of break down how I'm going to turn around an OHL franchise. But um, an experience and just uh, kind of turning the conversation away from something I wasn't able to do to more so something I am able to do. And, uh, you know, I touched on I had other conversations. But I think at the end of the day, the reason I went with Sarnia was because of Dylan. He was very hands-on, um, supportive, you know, it, from the very first conversation, I could tell that this was going to be a, a very good um, relationship in the way that we would work and, and the way that he would keep me in the loop, even if, you know, I wasn't in Sarnia every day, if I was working from home or, or whatever the case may be. And, um, you know, great organization. I'm, I'm happy with everyone I've interacted with there. And obviously Nick St. Clair has left the organization this season and to see Dylan kind of move into that more prominent role in general manager uh, to me speaks, you know, a thousand words on, on how good he is at what he does. And um, I don't think there's a better situation for me at the moment than, than working in Sarnia with him and, and Kyle and the rest of the staff. Yeah. And, and kudos to you as well. Uh, sometimes when there is a new general manager that, that comes into the position, whether they've already been in the organization or not, there is, the possibility of change um, with the announcement of the coaching staffs uh, and such uh, for this coming year. Uh, your name's front and center in that, uh, those news articles and, the, and that release that you'll be back next year. So just talk about what that means to you that, that uh, now that Dylan has moved up into that more prominent role. And again, we'll have more say of how the organization is run that, that you're still sitting there with him. Yeah, I think it means everything um, to me personally, just, you know, when, when we started talking about this, um, as much as I was excited to be in OHL, I, I knew that nothing's given and, and that likely in that first kind of transition period, doing something new like that, there was going to be uh, maybe a shorter leash than, than usual. So had to be on my deadlines, had to take that extra bit of effort to kind of do the job that maybe is a little bit easier uh, once you kind of get in the motion of things. But uh, the fact to be able to go back and after having that, um, you know, that first year where we weren't really sure how it was going to look following. Uh, Dylan, like I said, really let me do exactly whatever I wanted to do. And, and then he would give his insight and I could work with that. But um, it really was my brainchild. It was the, my thoughts put into action. So um, very, you know, very fortunate to be in that position. And then obviously have the confidence. And, and when he goes into that new position to say, okay, you've done the work, let's bring you back in. Let's get you more involved, whatever it may be. So mm-hmm. um to kind of sum it up in the short terms, it, it, I'm very thankful. And, um, you know, like I said, I'm very excited to kind of go through the motions again and um, hopefully have better results this year. And with the organization as a whole, again, a lot of NHL influence, as, as everybody knows, uh, Darian Hatcher being part of that and, and David Legwand as well, holding a, a prominent role in that. Do you get an opportunity to interact with those guys? Do they give you feedback? And, and again, uh, an opportunity for you just to, to rub elbows and, and be able to pick the brains of now guys that have played at the highest level. Yeah, with, with that, it may be maybe not so much in the beginning, just, you know, like I said, you're, you're kind of... Um, in that situation before, maybe I was like kind of Dylan's assistant in, in doing things and sure. everything was going through him. But I think as, as we've gone on and, and definitely moving into next year and, and beyond, um, there is more opportunity to, to talk with these people. I've, I've had more conversations this time around than this time last year. So it is a growing process and making sure that uh, you, you know, like you don't want to be too involved in areas that maybe you shouldn't be involved. Like mm-hmm. as, as a, someone in analytics, you obviously have ideas on, on coaching and all these things, but I don't think it's my place to kind of go in and say, Darren Hatcher, you know, this is what you need to be doing. Like, you know, he, he's, he's very successful NHL player. Not sure that would go well. Yeah, I don't no, know, but I don't no. know if that would go well. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But it's, it's also good for maybe to put the analytics together and kind of have my suggestions and say, okay, let me send this to you. Have a look when you, when you have a time and, and give me your feedback. Why do you think this works? Why do you think that doesn't work? So mm. Um, at every organization, I've kind of taken that approach, you know, have a feel for an organization, talk to who you're supposed to talk to. But when you have that opportunity to kind of reach out and say, you know, I have an opinion on this or, or whatever it may be, it's important to have that confidence and, and people respect that. And uh, I think that a lot of times that's why I, I have been able to kind of go to the next level or make the jump or make that extra connection because people know that I'm not going to hold back, that if I have something to say, I'm going to say it. And for better or for worse, I'm going to go about the process and sometimes as a devil's advocate or or just 
that little bit of extra critical thinking. And a lot of times I'm wrong. It's, it's the way it works. But I think when you have those different opinions uh, as a group, you're going to have better results. And that's kind of philosophy I live by. And then, of course, uh, the world uh, all changes a couple of months ago um, where we're obviously all on the edge of our seat to see what if if hockey is going to happen this uh, this fall and this winter what it's going to look like and what opportunities it's going to present to us or, or difficulties I guess is probably um, more of the way that it, it sounds like it'll go um, but uh, over that summer you know I, I took the opportunity to reach out to some people and, and try to network and, and try to pick some brains and listen and such and, and you decided to launch a podcast so uh, tell us about the the hockey minds podcast where uh where the the idea of it came from um your first few initial um steps in, in getting that process developed and, and how uh successful it's been so far yeah it's been it's been a lot of fun um like everybody during that uh you know initial covid stage it's kind of a situation where you're like okay now what am i going to do with all my free time and uh, my girlfriend was definitely very happy. She kind of was like, okay, now I get a little bit more time to spend with you. Um, the late nights and everything aren't going to be invested into the rinks and, and into the game of hockey. But I think it was important to not, uh, you know, stop the momentum that maybe personally I've kind of gained over the last little while and wanted to stay relevant. And I took a number of, you know, um, opportunities to watch webinars and, and West Wolf's mm. coaches seminars and uh, the NHL have one and ISIL hack as I touched on before. And, and all these opportunities to just learn more. And um, it also led to a number of conversations. Uh, in my introduction episode, I kind of talked about uh, interaction I had with people at the NHL level, just reaching out, cold calling. Um, you know, Brad Treleving is one that came right back to me, and, and we had like an hour conversation on a Thursday wow. night kind of thing. And uh, at that time, I, I realized that people in the industry are very uh, giving. They're willing to, uh, you know, share their knowledge and whatever it may be. And uh, obviously, there's certain areas that can't talk about and I always go over with the guests like what are you able to talk about what don't you want to talk about and, mm-hmm. and sometimes they might tell me but they also don't want it onto the podcast so there's that that fine line of of realizing um, what can and can't be said and and personally with um, having you know my own position in hockey operations I think people kind of trust me more that they know I know how it works what things can't be said that they're not going to mm-hmm. get in there and then I'm going to throw the question at them saying, okay, who do you like? Who don't you like? You know, that, that kind of right, uncomfortable right. situation. So um, the podcast was something maybe I thought about before and it was just because of all those conversations I was having. Brad's obviously one that I had, but there was a number of different NHL executives and, and general managers and whatnot that I've spoken with. And I just felt like if they were willing to talk to me, maybe they'd be willing to talk to other people. And a lot of times when people know I have, I've had these conversations, they kind of come to me and say, you know, what did he say? And a lot of times I say, you know, maybe it's not my place to say different things, but there's that opportunity to learn. And, and with COVID-19 being down, it's just, you know, having everything on hold, it was just another opportunity to, um, you know, enact on, on those conversations. So uh, before I really put it out there in the public, I started reaching out to people. And I think my first 10 guests that I asked said, yep, we'll be on. And there's a number of guests I also haven't announced and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the, the number of people that will be coming up in the future. And, and, you know, I do have a number of interviews here backed up that I kind of want to get released and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I think I've only had maybe two, maybe three people out of a number of people that I reached out to say, you know, I can't, it was never almost a, a no, it was, I can't, or it's not the right timing for me. So mm. uh, yeah, with the podcast kind of just started looking at uh, what I needed. I did have, pretty good equipment, uh, some sound equipment that my dad used in the past and um, just as a hobby kind of with music and stuff that he's interested in, but I had the equipment to do it and, um, you know, started looking in the process of building a podcast and releasing it on different platforms and, and kind of just started interviewing. And then with the exposure to Zoom, I realized it was maybe the, the best method and um, yeah, just a way to talk hockey over the break and it, it's been fun and every conversation I've kind of learned something and I've built a number of connections. You know, there's people like uh, I knew before Alex Guinea, Trevor Murphy, James McGregor, but people like Jordan Hunter, uh, Wes Wolf, I knew a little bit, but he'll be coming up soon. Um, Ian Beckenstein, you know, all these names of people that maybe I didn't actually know, maybe just followed them on Twitter or whatnot. So it's an opportunity for me to network as well. And um, been extremely fun. And, and a lot of people have, uh, you know, said that they also enjoy listening as well. 
Now, if I was doing a, a poor interview, I would ask you who those guests are that you haven't released yet and put you on the spot, but I won't do that at this point. But uh, again, you mentioned there, there's a bunch of different things that, that you've learned through the podcast. What are you hoping the people that listen to this podcast are taking from these interviews? I know you've, you've uh, really done a great job of, of going with different roles of uh, people that are in front offices instead of just being general managers or just being head coaches or, or anything like that. Um, you know, Brad Yetman obviously got into uh, the mental health side of things as well. And, and uh, Sean LaFortune uh, explaining his, his scouting angle and, and those type of things. So I guess what's the main thing that you're hoping that people that listen to the podcast or that we can introduce to the podcast uh, will take from, from your episodes? For me, it's, it's really just the fact that, you know, there's no one path to the, to the hockey or the NHL or, or hockey operations. Um, you know, we, we touched on Brad. He came from Newfoundland. Uh, did some AAA work, senior hockey. He had a playing career, all these different things. Obviously, the mental health work that he did is, is amazing. And it's something that I was really excited to share on the podcast about him. But uh, you look at him, you look at Trevor Murphy, who, who had some stops in basketball and worked with Hockey Canada. And then Alex Guinea kind of just went through school and started working with me in senior hockey. And um, everybody has a different story. Everybody comes from somewhere different and has different people that make that connection for them or, or show them this new thing in hockey so uh, maybe in the past it was very much okay if you played then you know hockey you can move in but we're seeing today that there's a million different outlets for learning and and different paths that you can take so for me it's just a fun thing for me to do talk hockey learn about these people's careers a lot of times just talk to my buddies about hockey and, and have a plat for them, platform for them to kind of share the stories that I already know but um, from a learning perspective is definitely to learn that you know, if you want to get there in hockey, if you want to make a career out of it, you can. But these are the people, these are the people that put in the work. This is what they've done. If you're not willing to, um, you know, take the steps that they did in whatever capacity it may be and take that next step and that extra effort, you know, you're not going to be successful yourself. So that's something I learned from every story. Um, my One of my favorites being Jordan's 28 stair climb, where <laughs> he got, that's kind of like, you know, almost like a metaphor, like even even on a broken ankle, he was able to uh, overcome that task. So if, if you take everything you do um, in hockey and in life, kind of like that approach, you, uh, you know, you can be successful with it. Broad question, but, um, you know, for, for myself, it's, it's the, um, the opportunity to just sit around and, and listen and, and talk hockey, like, like you were saying. Um, what is your favorite part of being involved in the game and being in a, in a front office position, you know, when, when, uh, what after our games win or lose, uh, when I get the opportunity, uh, we'll go to a local restaurant in, in Leamington and, uh, we just sit around and, and into the wee hours and laugh and talk about the game that we played and who we liked and who we didn't like uh, win or lose. And, uh, that, that to me is, is my favorite part of just being able to, to kind of digest what happened before. But for you, what, what's your favorite part or, or I guess the part that you look forward to most being in a front office position like you're in right now? Yeah, by far, it has to be the interaction with the people. Um, my early positions with Senior A, uh, we used to ride a bus every game. So you'd be yep. on the bus for an hour or two and, and talking with the players on there and they're maybe at a different stage in life and they have these different stories and and that was always fun. Uh, when I was with the Pearl Blackhawks, uh, we used to go to Scott Barnes' office. It's this, um, I, I think it's a pretty unique office. It's almost like under the bleachers. And there might be like eight or nine of us kind of packed into the room after the game and just talking hockey. And, and Chris Goulet is uh, one of the, uh, the assistant general manager, one of the coaches there. He's, he's a character. And, and people like that just make it enjoyable, enjoyable to be around the game. Uh, when I was with scouts, um, right up until recently, you know, Ryan Karazovic is the director of the scout.ca now. He's one of those guys that, you know, you, you, you don't want to stop talking with him. You want to interact with him every chance he gets. So I think at every stage in the Newfoundland Growlers, um, you know, we have some local people and, and being around Newfoundlanders and, and that type of people, it's a little bit of a different approach. But, um, you know, every, everything, you just enjoy having those connections, having that interaction and, and being a part of something bigger and, for me coming from Newfoundland and maybe being a little bit of a, a smaller place and, and not really being involved at like, you know, the all-star level or any high caliber hockey, being able to now throw myself in that situation and interact with these people who, um, you know, like a Darren Hatcher, who obviously I, I've, I watched growing up. It's uh, it's pretty surreal and, and it's probably my favorite part of the game. 
Yeah, for sure. And, and again, uh, when you get to the podcast, you get the opportunity to to interact with with so many different people um, in, in that sense. Um, but for yourself personally, um, you know, career wise, obviously in a great spot right now with with Sarnia. Um, and one of the, the notes that a lot of your guests do talk about is, is not looking at where you're going. It's enjoying where you are right now. Um, if you do take that time to kind of look uh, forward, uh, what do you see for yourself or, or where do you want to take your uh, your, your hockey adventure uh, moving forward? For sure. Um, personally, you know, I've always had a, a really uh, almost gravitation towards player development and, and scouting. Player development, maybe more so on, on statistics and things like that, but scouting as well. Uh, through my conversations, it seems like for me, the, the outlet may be through scouting at the next level. Um, I know I've had a number of conversations with, with teams at the next level and, and not so much a a conversation where they're interested, just me kind of saying, you know, this is something I want to do and, and something I'd be interested in if the opportunity came up forward, uh, moving forward. But I also know that you have to take those steps. You have to appreciate where you're to. And uh, I can't remember exactly who it was I was speaking with, but they said, as long as you put in the results and put in the work, people will find you wherever you are. So whether you're at ECHL, the OHL, um, the OJ, GOJ, you know, the number of stops that I've kind of had here recently, uh, they will find you. And that's, that's been my motto moving forward. But, um, you know, long-term goal, the, the dream is definitely NHL general manager. I think everybody sure. kind of has that aspiration, but if I'm being more realistic, maybe something along the lines of uh, director of scouting or hockey operations assistant or something there that I can kind of make it my own and, and have that little bit of, um, you know, varying tasks and whatever I do, but NHL level is definitely the, the pipe dream. Mm-hmm. And one of the great pieces of advice that I've had um, in in the past was to treat where you are right now as your NHL. You know, we're we're all trying to win uh, different named trophies, but at the end, we all get a trophy. We you know we get to raise something over our our heads. We get to win our last game, and and, and treating where you are right now as your NHL, and then and as you said uh, quite poignantly that that people will find those who put in the work and come out with those kind of results. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a great model to live by. And another one that, that sticks out to me is be the hardest perfect working person in the room, even when no one's watching. Uh, that's one that I really kind of put in motion myself. And, you know, even at home, like last night, I think I was doing work till like, you know, 2 AM and it's in the middle of the off season and, and no one's watching. I'm here by yep. myself, but it's just one of those situations where I feel like if I don't take that extra bit of time to do, you know, whatever I'm working on, that somewhere along the way, it's going to, you know, lack of a better term, bite me in the, bite me in the behind. So yeah, um, it's just one of those things that I kind of live by. And, and like you said, you know, every, for everybody, you gotta, you have to treat it as your NHL and, and people will find you that way. And um, it's the same thing from a coaching perspective. Uh, I've always learned that for some people, it is as high as they'll go. Um, for them, it is their quote unquote NHL. So you have to, approach it like it is their NHL. So always be willing to put in the extra effort and, and take it extremely seriously um, while obviously having fun along the way. And, and I'm going to take a quick second uh, as we do that, uh, a couple other quick questions for you, but I do want to thank some of the people that, that I've been able to, to lean on as well. Uh, you know, our current general manager in, in Leamington, Justin Soltz and Cam Crowder, our head coach, uh, Mike James, one of the assistant coaches, Cam Sinclair, Mike, uh, Matt Anthony, Kyle Bowman, uh, Mark Segan and Anthony and Iaquinta and their staff in Lakeshore, uh, Wes Ewer and, and Paul Bortino with his staff in, in Amherstburg, all organizations that I've worked for. And, and it's great, you know, when you, when you jot down the list of all the people that you've interacted through this, um, hockey really is a special sport, isn't it? Uh, you know, I've, I've worked with baseball teams, basketball teams, hockey teams, and there's something special about uh, the people that you meet in hockey that, uh, you know, you feel like you'll be able to, uh, to lean on them or, or interact with them uh, for the rest of your career. Definitely, definitely. I, I couldn't have said it any better myself. Uh, you know, I talked about Andrew Sykes and, and Rocky Vendetti and, and Scott Barnes is the general manager in, uh, in Thorold and, and all these people that you just meet along the way. Chris Boudry, um, Wes Wolf was probably one of the first conversations I had over the phone when I was a 16-year-old uh, or 18-year-old, I should say. Sure. And, and just the, the opportunity to interact with all these different people and have those conversations and every step of the way, uh, there is somebody that stands out that say, okay, you know, when I look back, I'm going to remember this conversation or what you taught me. And, you know, it's even better to see those people moving forward uh, with the scout.ca 
that last year I moved on, Andrew Sykes moved on, um, Matt Milbury was kind of with us for a little while. He went to the Arizona Coyotes. So you, you see these massive jumps and, and Mitch Avis and, um, you know, there's so many people that, that kind of went through there and, and moved on. And, and I've seen it at other levels. And some of my friends are through school are kind of jumping into the OHL now and, and getting their feet wet in that regard. But, um, you know, the people that you meet in hockey are, are phenomenal and everybody is just there because they, they truly love the game. And um, while you're always secretive and kind of saying, okay, don't look at my list. I'm not going to look at your list kind of thing. Everybody's just there to have some fun. And um, everybody's pretty good about seeing other people succeed and kind of helping you get to where you want to go at the end of the day for sure and then I guess uh, at this point now we can uh, get your your final piece of advice uh, for again anybody that would be listening to the podcast whether it's you know going through the ranks as you did to get into the OHL um, whether they're looking to get into analytics themselves um, what what kind of advice uh, you know we've, we've touched on it a little bit but what kind of advice means the most to you and I guess what kind of advice would you want somebody to pull from from this podcast if I kind of had to look at one piece of advice and I, I always tell to ask people this question and maybe being in the position myself now, it's like, okay, maybe I should be a little easier on people kind of putting them on the spot here, but um, definitely just put yourself out there and everything you do. Uh, me, I came from completely different area than, than I, you know, I, I put myself in today. I didn't have any hockey experience aside from playing a couple of games a week in house league and, mm-hmm. and in, you know, three and a half years, four years, I, I had an OHL position. So you can, you know, if you're willing to put yourself out there and take that extra step and, uh, you know, sometimes it's not going to be easy. One night I was in, in Fort Erie on a Saturday night and I missed the bus and uh, no car an hour and 20 minutes away from my home. And they were getting uh-huh. ready to close up the arena. I managed to catch one of my buddies who was uh, just about to open up a beer and, and I paid him 50 bucks to come get me out, out in the middle of Fort Erie. And, uh, you know, you, you run into those situations, but if you're willing to kind of laugh at them and realize that, um, you know, there's so many different opportunities out there that you can take a grasp to. And, and Cameron Fimbo, uh, who's going to be a future guest on this podcast, he, he told me one time that, you know, there's always going to be another party. Uh, you, you can, you know, that Friday, Saturday night when your buddies are going out, sometimes you got to go to a game. Sometimes you got to go to a meeting and sometimes you just got to sit in your office and, and grind on some numbers or, or mm-hmm. whatever task, um, you know, you may do. So uh, for me, just put yourself out there, take advantage of every opportunity. And, and if you don't know something or you're uncomfortable to me, that those are the best situations to learn something. If you don't know something, figure out how to, you know, ultimately learn it. And, and if you feel like you're in a situation where you're not uncomfortable and, and you're not, you know, you don't have those chills going in, uh, players always talk about, you know, the, the jitters before the game, the mm-hmm. butterflies in the stomach. To me, in any task that I do, any meeting that I do, I should have that feeling as well because if I get too comfortable, then you're almost like, uh, you know, stuck in that position or, or feel like you've kind of learned everything you have. So, um, you know, to reiterate, put yourself out there, take advantage of every opportunity and, and don't be afraid to uh, move outside your comfort zone. Yeah, well, certainly having this conversation with you, Ryan, it's pretty obvious the passion and the chills and, and all of that are, are still there. Even even talking hockey, you know, I, I'm, I'd love to just go into an arena right now and, and have this conversation with you, but but here we stand, right? So uh, I, I want to take a, a quick second to thank you um, for, for this opportunity. This was great. Uh, this uh, a little background I, I mentioned uh, uh, to Ryan just in a, a quick message uh, through Twitter um, suggesting the idea. Ryan and I have never interacted before. This is the first time we've ever actually had a conversation. So it uh, just shows how, you know, how, how willing and open you are to, to new ideas and, and such. So I certainly appreciate uh, this opportunity and, and really enjoyed the conversation and hope we can do this again. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, you know, it, it's really great to kind of meet you through this way. And mm-hmm. it, to me, it just kind of puts in perspective the whole reason I kind of do this podcast, just to have these conversations. And and I, I never really thought that people could learn from my story, but people have said that they've been interested. In, and like I said, it was kind of how we moved into this process. But um, it's fun being on the opposite side. So, and I'm not sure how you're feeling about being on the interview side, but uh, you know, thank you for um, putting this in motion and, and really taking the initiative and, uh, you know, asking me questions today. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I, I wish you best, all the best moving forward with Leamington and, and hopefully, uh, you know, soon enough you can get back to your Thursday night hockey.
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm looking forward to that too. And, and certainly, you know, uh, congratulations uh, on all the success of the podcast. Last thing that I want to say is, you know, when we were talking about having this, this opportunity, I, I think this is something that uh, is great for, for you as well and, and for the listeners, because obviously the conversations you're having with people are, are how they've moved through their careers of people that you looked up to. Certainly through this podcast, it's an opportunity that, that people are now looking up to you uh, that get to hear this story. So we appreciate you sharing that, Ryan. All right. Thanks a lot, Matt. I really, really appreciate everything you're doing here. And uh, like I said, all the best moving forward. I'd like to thank Matt for coming on the podcast and hosting what was a very different episode. As I've mentioned before, Matt put this idea in motion and committed to the task. So I'd like to thank him for his help. And I'm sure we will get Matt on again to speak and share his story. As always, I'm happy to share my story and my experiences, so if anybody has any questions following today's episode, you can contact me on Twitter or email hockeymindspodcast at outlook.com, and I can answer questions there. Next on the podcast, we have Scott Burns, the head coach and general manager of the Thorough Blackhawks. Scott is a good friend of mine and a great hockey mind with a personable story, so please keep an eye out for that release on Sunday. As always, thank you for continuing to listen, and thanks for the continued interaction online. Again, thank you for your support, stay safe, and all the best.